Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Can Do Pod Things. I'm Annalise. I'm Emily. And this is the podcast that we talk about another podcast. Um, so glad you guys decided to join us. We're going to have a great time with today's episode. Emily, tell them what they've won. We are talking today about the divine, the wonderful Sarah Bareilles. Yes. And this episode came out in the fall. Mm -hmm. I think it was maybe October. October. Yeah. Um, So it wasn't that long ago that I listened to it. But even in the last couple months, I had forgotten how fantastic this episode is. It's just kind of crazy because I do figure out, I think, I feel like we've figured out a formula or the universe has figured out a formula Mm -hmm. for us because we pick an episode and then there's so much relevancy is that a word? I don't know. I I think it is. I think so. I'm yeah. Not, yeah. There's so much relevancy within that episode to current events, mm-hmm. like up to the hour. <laughs> yeah. What Get we're out of experiencing our heads, in our you lives. Guys. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Um, the simulation is hard at work. It is. It is. And I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I just have submitted to the fact that this is what it is. Before we get started, though, our quote of the week comes from Alex L. We cannot change people. We can only love them. Hopefully, we love hard enough that they want to do better. Not for you, but for themselves. Mm. Yep. That is uh, very... That speaks to me on a spiritual level. Mm -hmm. It's also kind of hard to sit with if... That's a novel concept as it is for many people because we get sold this version of love and Sarah called it magical thinking. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I love, I loved when she was like, let's not do magical thinking about it. Cause as somebody who is a little more prone, a little magical thinking, who doesn't? Right. That it's magic for a reason. Mm -hmm. It makes us feel good. Yeah. It's just too much. We can get carried away by it sometimes. When we get sold this idea of love, sometimes it's not healthy love. Mm -hmm. So that was our quote of the week. Thank you, Alex L. Um, That's Alex E-L-L-E. All right, let's get into it. Let's do. I think we both started with the same quote, so mm-hmm. why don't you Sarah, put it out there? Sarah and Abby and Glennon and Amanda are all just gushing about each other, and Sarah says the cutest thing where she talks about mutual admiration society, and I'm like, yes, I fuck with that. Uh huh. <laughs> that uh-huh. is definitely a dynamic. That How do we... I get into this club? Yeah, I right? want well, it. Like, I have my own branch. I don't know if they're aware of that, but like, yeah, I, I need work on the mutual part. <laughs> <laughs> we have, I think we have our own mutual oh, the two admiration yes. society. Like, I think yes. that that's a concept we're familiar with. Oh, a thousand percent. Because we we do that. We gush about each other, or mm-hmm. you know, other people that we know, and I I. It tracks. Women supporting women. Well done, Sarah. Mm-hmm. The next thing I have written down is when she talks about having to be alive every day of your life. Stop it. Is that the next thing? It's the next wrote? thing. The idea of having to be alive for the rest of my life was an impossible thing to hold. Yep. 
how do you possibly get through so many days in a life? These are thoughts that I didn't even know I had. Right. It's like when somebody iterates something that you didn't know you needed to say until they said it. It has been sloshing around in my brain and she just gave it life. I think Amanda even said something similar to that. Like Mm -hmm. you just said something that I'd been feeling for a while and I didn't know how to say Mm -hmm. it. And Sarah said, um, learning to accept the chaos. Yeah. Which is interesting because that was actually the name of one of her, um, concert albums. Yeah. You know more about her as an artist than I do. I didn't even know about Waitress until you showed me the The light of Waitress. Oh God. That's probably been one of my favorite date nights that we did. It was incredible. It was, it was all, it was great. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to be able to, um, have a meal, like a proper date night, have a meal beforehand. And then, but I mean that when your mom's that's, I'll let you take me out again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she had a, a live concert album recorded at the Hollywood Bowl that was called Amidst the Chaos. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't necessarily, I'm not familiar with all of her music. It's, it's not like I've listened to every album ad nauseum. I've really listened to a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to listen to that album it randomly popped up on my, I think Amazon music like recommended. And then I was listening to it a lot while I was working out. I don't, I have mixed feelings about live albums in general because sometimes it's just like watching home footage of not that the quality is bad, but just like I wasn't there. And so now I'm just watching other people have fun. Part of. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, not for me, thanks. Yeah. It's like watching concert footage from when we were young mm-hmm. instead of actually being there. It's cool, but it's like not – it's just not my thing, and that's FOMO. okay if it is yours. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm just too insecure to be able to do that. Mm. Um, But I really do – but there are a couple live albums that I really like. John Mayer has a really great live album on – I think it's called Any Given Thursday. Mm-hmm. And th- um, this one amidst the chaos and it reintroduced me to some of her music that I maybe had heard before and just hadn't listened to in a while Mm -hmm. or music that I didn't necessarily know was hers or hadn't heard of hers. And, um, on my emotionally devastating sad girl playlist, one of the songs that she sang on amidst the chaos is, is one that when I made it to my super sad breakup playlist, I'm going to make myself a playlist called I'm Just Not That Lighthearted a Person. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stop. I wrote lighthearted versus heavy-hearted. Literally, it was mm-hmm. the next thing. Oh. I'm going to make a whole playlist. It might just be you, Sarah. It, it's just all Sarah Borella yeah, songs. Yeah, from beginning to end, it may be a six-hour-long playlist. Ugh. Of nothing but Sarah, Sarah Bareilles. Bareilles. But it will not be called the Sarah Bareilles playlist. It will be called I'm Just Not That Lighthearted a Person. And let's be real, Brave is not going to be on that. No, it couldn't be. Brave is far too boppy. Mm-hmm. My favorite Sarah Bareilles song has always been Gravity. Mm-hmm. So much so that when I auditioned for Mamma Mia, that was the song that I sang because yeah. I know it super well. I've spent countless hours singing it in the car and listening to it 
multiple times. And Sarah Bareilles, my friend Jake um, actually said this about her. She is someone who knows how to write music for female voices. Yes. She just does such a great mm-hmm. job at writing music for female voices. Um, shout out to my friend Jakey for that. Um, he's the director of the San Diego Gay Men's Chorus. And I miss him because he moved to California. Because he's got so many more skills <laughs> than what Why Lafayette could contain. would leave Indiana to right? move to California? Bizarre. I don't get it. Yeah. Hmm. Can't relate. <laughs> uh, but she does. She writes music that is just so fun to sing. And her, her um, register and my register are very similar. So that just makes it easier for me to see sings things when they're in my key or like they're my, her sweet spots or my sweet spots. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, one song of hers that I listen to every night is um, you matter to me, mm-hmm. which is the love ballad from waitress the musical. And is that the one Abby mentioned brave? And I think she mentioned you matter to me. Was she, it that? no, it was, um, like I choose you. Yeah, you're right. That was the one. Yeah, which that is a really cute, sweet, boppy song too. Mm-hmm. I fuck with the deeply emotionally devastating ballads that have a lot of movement yes. to them. That's the sad music that I really <laughs> go for. So a lot of times, the more upbeat, poppy, preppy music is fun, mm-hmm. but it's not one that like makes me feel all my feelings. Yes which she kind of references a little bit later. But I do want to talk about this lighthearted versus heavy-hearted. Mm-hmm. And her saying, like, I may just not be a, he- a lighthearted person. And I think we can be both. Yeah. But it's more natural and instinctual for me to be heavy-hearted. And I don't love that heavy-hearted is generally associated with negative News. Having a heavy heart just means your heart's full. Right. It does mean, it does just mean your heart's full. It doesn't mean that you have bad news to deliver. No, it's full. It's full of so many things and so many feelings and so much empathy for the experience of everyone around us. (sighs) So let's talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. Then if lighthearted is the goal, is seen as the positive and heavy hearted is the, is the negative, then we're assigning value to the absence of feelings. Mm-hmm. And that is mark it off your bingo card, disembodiment. Mm-hmm. And you can't be too much in either realm because I don't want to feel everything insanely all the time. Right. And when I do have that insanely intense emotional experience for a prolonged period of time and my heart is heavy, heavy, mm-hmm. I, that is when I feel bogged down or I kind of look for the escape of depression mm-hmm. and that numbness because it's just too overwhelming. But like, there's nothing wrong with having a full heart either. Well, like Glennon says – isn't that just an indicator that you're paying attention? Yes. Yes. And once you see some of these things, you can't unsee them. I, I'm i not going to be surprised by this anymore. 
because that mm-hmm. was literally the next thing I had written down was her saying even to a therapist, mm-hmm. like, is it anxiety or is it just, and we've talked about, we talked about this on our very first episode, or are you just not paying attention? Yeah. And I really kind of enjoying in a very immature, petty way, the connotation of maybe you need to be paying more attention. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to focus. Maybe you're the one that's that's wrong and yeah. and we are not the crazy ones. Mm-hmm. Because having been told my entire life, focus, pay attention, that I love it. Mm-hmm. Sure. I do focus and I do pay attention. And you don't. And that is why I am burdened with the responsibility of knowing what I know of yeah. my knowledge of my smartness. <laughs> Because you're not paying attention and therefore I have to do the work for both of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it isn't just the seeing things. Mm -hmm. It's the knowing that there are still so many other people who don't see them. Right, the lack of validation. So it's like, it's not enough for me to see this just for me. I have to see this on behalf of everybody. Because I know that until someone tells me I Mm -hmm. see it too, Mm -hmm. I might be the only one that sees it because nobody else is doing anything about it. And again, you can't live in that space forever. But when it's things that are desperate, like climate change mm-hmm. and some of these other things that we don't have an unlimited amount of time right. to figure out. You know, oh my God, I'm so glad you said that because I th- one of the biggest, where that's going on the bingo card too. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Um, get out of my nose. <laughs> well, but that just just really triggered something for me in in within a relationship, a romantic relationship, being in love with someone who may or may not be in love with you back, and the concept of being a them being okay with if I you know like if I die tomorrow it will be without regrets. Mm -hmm. And me being like, if I die tomorrow and I didn't get to see you one last time, like, and I, and I, if you die tomorrow and you're okay with it because (laughs) you're not feeling, because you don't acknowledge that there's someone that you left behind that Mm -hmm. didn't get to spend a lot. I mean, that makes me panic. That Mm -hmm. makes me, and I, uh, there's a sense of urgency and scarcity around our time together and not understanding whether it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or your parents, why don't you want to do this work? Mm-hmm. Why are you not more motivated to do this work? Why are you wasting time? Or why is it taking you so long yeah. to figure this shit out or to get through the work or to buy into doing the work? Why that is such a trigger for me. And then we want to bash the chrysalis. Right. Yeah. And and it, when you said what you said and linked it back to anxiety, that was kind of a thing for me mm-hmm. because it was, it was putting a name. It was saying things out loud that I had been jumbling around in my brain but not able to arrange into a coherent sentence. Like we said, sloshing around in the brain, but <laughs> – Hadn't gelled. Hadn't yet. gelled, right? You say this um, often. You say the answers were there all along. Mm-hmm. It's just we didn't see them. Yeah. So that's an interesting thought about is my anxiety and, and me then 
linking that to having this sense of resentment in that, well, because you don't Mm -hmm. see and aren't motivated to do all of these things that we don't have a whole lot of time, whether it's climate change or it's your fucking spiritual growth. Like, yeah, time's a waste in. The best and worst thing about the human condition Mm -hmm. is that we don't live in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. No man is an island. (laughs) No matter how hard you want to be an island, you can't be. And there's joy in that. And there's also frustration. Mm. Yes, there is. And that goes into something that she talks about later on about, which is what you had messaged me yesterday, the dignity of their own discomfort. I love that phrase. I love all the iterations of that phrase as well. Mm -hmm. All the different interpretations of it. Um, And we can get back to that in a second. But then she's, but she says to part of her remembering herself and coming back to herself is if I just stop punishing myself for being that way, I stop resisting or feeling bad about shame about I'm an anxious person. It's not necessarily like I'm tying my entire identity around being an anxious person to the point to that I can't relax or mm-hmm. be calm. I just don't feel bad about it. That is that is that is integration yeah that is wholeness that is holy a a thought that i'm having Mm -hmm. because i agree with what you're saying and you're really glad i said it and i'm so glad you said it (laughs) and also i don't know if you have listened to one of the recent episodes where glennon talks about her new diagnosis no so trigger warning um she and also reveals, spoiler alert and spoiler alert. She reveals that she has been um, diagnosed by a specialist as having anorexia, oh. which is new information to her. She yeah. always identified herself as bulimic, mm. and well, yeah, because anorexia isn't bulimia. Like the component to it is is the binging and purging. Mm-hmm. Anorexia is about control. Yes. Wow. Shocker. Glennon has control. Yeah. Well, what she says was once I started reading about mm -hmm. this, it blew my world open Mm -hmm. because I realized that so many of these things that I thought were just my natural inclination, I was born this way. I was born an anxious person. Right. Were in fact a result of this condition that I had that I didn't even realize I had. And then she says something like, so what do I do with that? Because Mm -hmm. I always thought that this was me, this was my identity. And now I'm finding out that maybe it isn't and it never was. And so there's there's something to that too. Like something jarring about losing that part of your identity. Yeah. So not just never being, look, just don't ever be too attached to anything. <laughs> and that goes back don't to what she be, says. She says it's all sand. It's all going to go away anyways. Yeah. I think I wrote, I think I wrote that down or maybe I was like, thought about writing it down, we but I don't have to. We can't hold any of this forever. <clears throat> just accepting the unaccepted. Mm-hmm. It's not something that she said. That's something that I said in Facebook quotes circa 2005 Mm -hmm. 
because you used to have a quote section on your profile before there was even a wall. I'm not even sure I was on Facebook back then. I think I was... I mean... I was exclusively MySpace until we realized that in the battle between MySpace and Facebook, I was on the losing side. So then I abandoned ship. Good old Bobby (laughs) Borelli. He was my gateway into Facebook. Mm -hmm. He had a... Oh my God, this is going to make me sound so old. His His AOL messenger mm-hmm. profile had a link to his Facebook. Ooh. So I, and I was like, what the f- what's this? So I clicked on it and I was like, "Ugh, I don't know. This is just like MySpace. Like, why am I going to sign up? And then I think it, I FOMO'd for like two weeks and mm-hmm. then I, I filled one out. And at the time you had to have a, a .edu email yeah, address I to do. sign up. I remember that. So that you might've even thing. already been out of school potentially. Could, yeah. By that point. Could have been. So, you had to wait until it was like a, you know, someone in Lafayette mm-hmm. and they vouch for you to get in. And now just anybody can sign up. Yeah. I think by the time I did sign up. Or I mean, I mean, you could have been in college still, but. sign up. I don't remember it having to be a process. So obviously I didn't get in on the first tier of the Facebook when it was only Ivy League schools, I think. Mm-hmm. But I was in even though Purdue is the Ivy League of the Midwest. <laughs> Boiler up, hammer down. Um, when I was in, you had to have a .edu email address, and then they kind of, then they started like phasing it, opening it up. You could join Facebook in the Purdue community, mm-hmm. and then you could add people from other communities, but you had access to the whole Purdue community. So weird. Right? And then um, – the Purdue community became the Lafayette, Indiana. Well, at you add, then you were able to add on like, where do you live? You live mm-hmm. in Lafayette, Indiana. Okay, well, or West Lafayette or whatever. Then you could get on without a .edu email address if someone with a .edu email address validated you and added you to that so much community or whatever. There was a lush. Mark Zuckerberg gate kept something. What? <laughs> This is all brand new information. It's crazy when you remember don't shut down my Facebook account. <laughs> the origins of these. Like Amazon yeah. used to sell books, didn't they? Yes. Books a million. Yeah. Yeah. If you wanted to buy that kind of shit, you had to go to eBay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I kind of haven't thought about that in a while. Jeffrey Bezos. Uh, we got off on a tangent. A little bit. Because that's what we do and we think that it's fun. But I'm not going to punish myself for being that way. <laughs> she talks about vulnerability, which we know is near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and her embracing her vulnerability and, and that being her skill. and Superpower. Absolutely. I want to walk back a few steps to what I said earlier about people who are lighthearted versus heavy-hearted and, and – um, it takes all kinds. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can be the anxious person all the time. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can be the person thinking about what could go wrong at any moment. If everyone were like that, we would fail. Mm-hmm. We would fail as a society. We need people who are able to roll with the punches and feel safety in a multitude of environments so that they can access their upstairs brain Mm -hmm. so they can be 
problem solvers and creative and and entrepreneurs and and ingenuity and every other en word that you can think of. Yeah. We need people like that and people who are anxious. But ideally it would be good if we we listened to each other. If the anxious people listened to If one of them wasn't stigmatized. Mm. Yeah. As being unwell. Yeah. Unwell and unwelcome. Mhm. In need of fixing. Huh. Yeah. You know, the people who are anxious do listen to the lighthearted because the lighthearted are constantly trying to fix us. Hmm. So maybe if we could get a little more reciprocity, and this is a thing that I deal with, especially within relationships, if there's an uneven power dynamic, like, mm, I can't. Mm-hmm. It that's a trigger for me. And it's something I'm working through because at some point in time, there does need to be an uneven power. I mean, like sometimes mm-hmm. someone's going to have to pick up the slack for the other person. Yeah. It's balance. Yes. But when that's, when there's like more power and control and buy-in from one person than the other, that's like a, that's a problem for me. I know mm-hmm. given the conversation we had prior to us starting to record, this is shocking to you. <laughs> but if that, that dynamic were a little more even and the people who were lighthearted and all that would just listen to mm-hmm. the anxious sometimes and not have to take it on as their identity, but just take the information and ac- accept that both things can be true. Mm-hmm. That would, I think, take some of the resentment out of the anxiety and make it feel more of a superpower. Yeah. Yeah rather than a shameful thing that I should hide or and maybe none of it has to be shameful or superhero-y maybe it's mm. all just a way of being maybe that's the goal maybe it's all just a way of being i i do i still think that we can talk about being lighthearted and and being heavy-hearted as skill sets mm-hmm. as being positive things maybe they don't have to be superpowers but Acknowledging that that is a unique set of skills mm-hmm. Liam Neeson has cultivated over <laughs> a number of years. Um, okay. She talks about – this cracks me up. She talks about having to do an extra year at UCLA. Oh, my gosh. This woman is me. Because- she is me and I am her. And I have to wonder, Sarah, have you ever been evaluated for ADHD? <laughs> Because that gives off very much the the vibes of like, I don't, I'm really good at some, I'm good at so many things. And when I don't have the answer, I don't like asking for help mm-hmm. or I don't like admitting that I don't know the answer because I don't want to look stupid because I'm not accustomed to having to ask for help because most of the things that I can do, I can do on my own. Mm-hmm. It just comes easily enough to me that I don't have to stop and ask someone to explain something to me because I have ADHD and I'm smart. That could be it. It resonated for me because- Maybe it's not related to ADHD. Maybe it is just related to being smart. I guess I just kind of assume that my intelligence is due to my ADHD because I am very intelligent. And it's hard to separate them from each other. It is. When I heard her say that, I thought of how tax season is almost upon us. Mm. And there is never a time where I feel more incompetent as an adult 
than tax season. And again, when she talked about when she has contractors come over Ugh. and just look like a person who's paying attention. It's right here. This is the it's goal. Right the goal is not even understanding what you are saying. The goal is just appear as if I understand what you're saying. I live my life in this place <laughs> far more often than I care to admit. It's so interesting because when she said that, I wrote down disassociating mm-hmm. before she even talked about actually disassociating later on in the episode. But that's a form of disassociating. She talks about like my eyes glaze over and I'm not even listening anymore. And I'm just more obsessed with the, do I look like I'm listening mm-hmm. and making sure that I appear that I'm intelligent because I don't understand what's going on. And because that's difficult and weird and uncomfortable place for me, I'm not, I'm just shutting down Yeah. rather than being curious about it, which is relatable as fuck. And I'm just working through this out loud, but it does not affect me in the same way around people that I know who know me because you feel safe they them. know, I hope, that I am not a total idiot. Yes. So I can show them the things that I don't understand without worrying that they think I am this way across every domain of my life. But when you are dealing with a person for just one specific thing Mm -hmm. and you let them see how much you don't know about this one specific thing that's all the information they have about you right especially as a woman when and if you're talking in these specific situations Mm -hmm. where it's like a contractor or a handyman or a or you know a specialist of some sort of field which women are historically not supposed to know about yeah i can live with the knowledge that someone thinks that i'm dumb in this one area i cannot abide by the idea that someone thinks I'm dumb. Period. Period. Mm-hmm. And that is the distinction for me. Mm-hmm. So calling this person in Italy, who she's never going to have a reason to talk to, except outside of this one conversation, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is, you're shooting your shot. <laughs> God, see, that's so interesting to me because to me, it's like, I'm never going to have to see you again. So what? why does it matter if you think that I'm an idiot? If you are of a certain disposition, you... I (laughs) want to be in control of every narrative Mm. that every person has about you all the time. Now, (laughs) that doesn't sound, aside from you, that doesn't sound like anybody I know. Who else does it sound like? It doesn't sound like you. No, it's not me. It is someone else that we were just talking about. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. So much has to control the narrative Mm -hmm. of what. It I told you like. that when you we did. were talking about it a couple of days ago. I yeah. said, I I see this because I am this. We recognize our own. Like, like <laughs> n- recognizes like. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I can tell he knows the secret handshake. I know it too. <laughs> well, I, I am, um, what I'm glad is that you are self-aware. Mm-hmm. I fear that that person will never be self-aware. And if they choose not to be self-aware or they, if that's not in the cards for them, that's their life and it's not no shame on them. Blessings on your day. Blessings on your day. But like that's still because I care so deeply for this person, Mm -hmm. like being worried that that's not something they're ever going to 
be able to recognize because if once you recognize it, then you can decide whether or not you want to work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't even know if you want to work on it if it's you don't even know it's a problem. You know when else another time that this came up? Do you remember when we were at the farmer's market and you said hello to every person that you saw? And I said, we are so different yeah, this way. We are because not if I see people that I recognize, even people that I like, mm-hmm. I will walk in the other direction because I don't want to, to have spontaneous conversation. Oh, because yeah. I'm having a nice relaxing day. And all of a sudden, I have to get into, I don't have to, but I get into the mode of, okay, now I, there's a narrative that I have to be in control of. Do you, I wonder, do you think that's because you are more comfortable wearing different hats and masks within certain relationships rather than being quite as transparent? If it's safer for you, this is a school person. This Mm -hmm. is a a daycare person. This is a, um, this is a close confidant yes person i realize that code switching is not a term that i can claim mm-hmm. but form of this that. resembles code switching mm-hmm. interesting and i think to a degree everyone does that you know you have yeah. there's just a, a rhythm that you fall into mm-hmm. that looks different in mm-hmm. different environments yeah but it is more I am probably more mindful of it than most. That's so interesting to me. And I I think I recall when we were doing that, I was like, yeah, I'm actually working on that. Like, just because I know you doesn't mean I have to go out of my way to, to say hi mm-hmm. and be acknowledged by you. So because I, that, that was very much me. Anytime, if I knew you, I would I would flag you down and I would chase you down in mm-hmm. the grocery store to say hi. Well, I don't know that I would actually do that, but like very close to that. Like mm-hmm. even if I didn't want to say hi to you, I would say hi because I felt like I had to. And that being again, maybe because I'm an oversharer. Yeah. And I am and I tend to be a little too transparent and give people access to too much information that they haven't earned. So I mean the flip side of of you of of that is not any better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's got to be a middle ground of showing none of the cards. <laughs> I'm not, you don't even know if I'm playing the game or not <laughs> to showing all of the cards. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's got to be like, you can acknowledge that we're playing the same game mm-hmm. and that's all you mm-hmm. have to know. Yeah. Maybe that's, no. and I don't know. If I, if I lose control of the narrative with someone in a way mm. that I don't like, then I can never talk to you again. <laughs> okay, so that reminds me of a conversation that I had with someone once about why they ghosted someone. Yep. Because they got so embarrassed by this thing that they said mm-hmm. that they just never spoke to them again. Yep. Just deleted their number. Mm-hmm. And for me, who struggled to sit with the discomfort of being misunderstood Mm -hmm. in the opposite way where I had to over explain myself. I was like immediately empathized with the other party and be like, Oh my God, they probably had no idea why you never wanted to talk. They probably thought that they did something wrong or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you just straight up. They did do something wrong. They made up their own mind about me instead of letting me make up their mind for them. (laughs) Oh my God. And that is this person (laughs) to a T. This is, 
if I can't control the way that you think about me, yeah. I'm cutting you out of my life. Oh my yeah. God. You went off script. That's your fault. That's on you. <laughs> I handed you the script and you decided to just make up your own mind. How dare you? How very dare you? <laughs> One of my favorite Emilyisms. <laughs> and that goes back to shutting down because this is too unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. And f- for some people, that is asking for help or under acknowledging when we don't admitting when we don't understand something or when we intellectually, right? Like I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. And for some people that's doing emotional work and that affects their pace. Mm -hmm. And just because I'm super comfortable with growing at a fast rate doesn't mean that people who take baby steps will then automatically be able to run a marathon. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think that's stupid. And once you (laughs) learn how to take a baby step, you might as well just sign up for the Boston Marathon. But whatever. Whatever. I guess it's okay. (laughs) You know, you talking about like you get into that rhythm when you're around someone. When when I was younger, I was in high school, I low-key idolized my cousin Jill, Mm -hmm. who I'm still good friends with. Um, But she was a little bit older than I was. Um, we were in 4-H together. We spent a lot of time together, like within 4-H. And I just felt like every time I was around her, I was like, I assumed this stupid, like I was just like lame and dumb and like not funny Mm -hmm. and like not confident, insecure whenever I was around her. And I just wanted to be cool like her. But then like, I could be cool like her when she wasn't around. And then yep. I would be so frustrated with myself, like, show her that you're cool. Yeah, where was this side when I needed yeah, it? Yeah, why are you why are you acting like this? You're cool. You know how to be confident. And I couldn't, but I couldn't around mm-hmm. her for the longest time. And I think I'm cool around her now, but I guess we we would have to get Jill's input on that. But um, I think part of that came when we were we would do family fun nights. Her sister, also my cousin, Carrie who I also thought is cool. She was older enough older than I am that I didn't get to spend a lot of time with her like I did with Jill. Um, we would do family fun nights and on Friday nights. Uh, my ex-husband and I would go over to Carrie's and um, her husband, Adam, oh, this is one wasn't of Jeremy's even friend. that long ago? Well, are you saying that you that still- That was before Jack was born, so- Felt those things. I think that's, I, I think it, uh, I probably didn't quite feel it as much at that okay. point, like it's not like, but that certainly helped solidify my own security when I got to see her. Maybe that's part of what it is, is like I got to see her being dumb and mm-hmm. uncool mm-hmm. and whatever. And I could felt then that I could be dumb and uncool around and her too. I want people to feel that way around me. Honestly, you remember Glennon at one point said something like, the person who's never showing you their vulnerability is the least trustworthy person in the room. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to spend your time with that person? Yeah. Why would you want to invest in that person? She didn't use those words, but I mean, what she was saying makes sense. Like people are not drawn to us because of our perfection. Mm. They're drawn to us because they recognize something about us that they share but sometimes. I, I think that's something that you are good at. 
it at letting people be the way that they are and not judging them. You just don't have that for yourself. Yeah. Cause shocking. That's a novel concept. Mm-hmm. Us being harder on ourselves than anyone else. Yes, we are probably the first people who have ever stumbled upon that idea. Yeah, I know. Really <laughs> groundbreaking work that we're doing here. Any questions that you have about this concept to podthingspodcast at gmail.com. <clears throat> because I know this is this is we're gonna win a Nobel Peace Prize for mm-hmm. discovering this information. But you are good at that, at making people feel safe and <clears throat> not making people feel safe because that sounds manipulative, actually, at creating an environment of safety so that people feel comfortable being their authentic I hope so. Selves. I hope so. You do. I hope that I don't. Just because you don't necessarily yeah, do that I for yourself. I hope that I don't project my own baggage. You don't that stuff onto other people. I would just really love to see you treat yourself with some Mm -hmm. of the same generosity that you treat other people. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. Well, it's realizing that I don't even know what authenticity looks like for me. Same. I mean, for you. Mm -hmm. I know what authenticity looks like for me. Yeah. Because I'm the other side of the coin to Mm -hmm. where it's too much authenticity. Yeah. But it is, I mean, like I, I know you, and I can I can predict your movements because I'm paying attention. Mm-hmm. But authenticity for you is guarded. Yeah, <laughs> because even you don't know mm-hmm. what you're what you need, and that kind of goes into one of the things she talks about was I don't even know what I need, and mm-hmm. I think that's actually on my phone because I wrote my notes in two different places. Um, how can you ask for what you need when you don't even know what you need? Yes. That being really foundational for so many lines of work. But as a behaviorist, one of my first questions is just to generally always ask, what do you want? Mm -hmm. What are you trying to get out of this? But then that makes it difficult when the person doesn't know what they want. And I don't even know where to look for the answer. Because if you look in your brain, then you get caught in that trap that we talked about Mm -hmm. of potentially Mm overanalyzing, overthinking. You choose the internal. Um, Glennon talks about that. You, you're choosing the internal discussion over the external discussion. Yeah. When did she? I had that in my notes too. Uh, I forget the context. Right. Actually, it was actually slightly before that. Anxiety she, choosing is often an inner choosing battle. inner conflict over outer conflict. Over outer conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's To me, it's very reminiscent of disembodiment. Mm-hmm. And I can't trust myself. Mm-hmm. And I have spent so much time and trained myself to distance myself from my feelings or my physical, connecting my physical feelings with my emotional feelings. Yeah. To where I don't even know, I don't feel anything. The path back is so overgrown at this point. Mm. Don't even know where, where it to is. start chopping. I don't even know where it is kind of makes me think about analysis paralysis too, where, Mm -hmm. which is something that I actually kind of get with this podcast because I feel like I need to create this perfect environment for me to be able to sit down and write my notes and take my time and be really thoughtful to the point where then what I end up doing is listening to it on two times speed, 20 minutes before you guys get Mm -hmm. here so that I can write, I can hear the highlights of the thing and Maybe that just needs to be the way that I do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that just needs to be 
this is what I do is, is I set aside 30 minutes before the episode. Yeah. But waiting till the last minute is also kind of like not the best thing. But that getting back on track, that analysis, pro- I don't even know where to start mm-hmm. or why it's so hard for my kid yeah. to clean their room. Because I don't even know where you, but you eventually you just have to shit or get off the pot. Yes. You have to start chopping. I have an awareness of this thing, mm-hmm. which is a first step. And you are doing that. And you're, you're, you're going to therapy. You're exploring medications. You're chopping. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. You're tentatively chopping and yeah. that's fine. You don't have to take big swings mm-hmm. if that's not what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Are you saying that I can take baby steps and I don't have to run the marathon? I'll allow it. <laughs> I'm saying you can do hard things at whatever pace mm-hmm. suits you. Yeah. You can sit in. I will give you the dignity of your discomfort. At some point, too, I lost track of the definition of authenticity. Mm. I said this to my therapist that I thought that authenticity meant just spilling your guts to everybody all the time. Mm. And I didn't realize that that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. But when I actually sat with it, I was like, this is what I think it is, and that's not what it is. And I can never expect – I'm never going to be a person who does that. And that's okay. And, yeah, because that's we not need what it would look like for me. Both sides. Mm-hmm. Although I think I have told you countless times during our friendship, like, I need you so much. And then, like, you know you can need me too. <laughs> like, it would be refreshing as fuck if Emily were like, I have a problem. I have a conflict. Can you tell me? Am I crazy for feeling this way? But but that's just not who you are. And and it's okay that you prefer to your internal processor mm-hmm. rather than an external processor. And that's fine and good and acceptable. And it doesn't and that's uh, entirely about you and has nothing to do with me or how much you trust yes. me or love me. Yes. I just That is always, important for people <clears throat> to know. Yes. I'm also always worried about asking for too much, which again comes back though then to trust because if I didn't trust you to say, I don't have the emotional bandwidth Mm -hmm. to process this right now. Right. If I don't trust you to say that to me, then I would continue to dump on you and you start to resent me and just be like, God damn it, Annalise, you only ever text me when you want something. Well, I mean, you saw what happened with this conversation where we were supposed to be talking about Sarah Bareilles, but we ended up talking <laughs> about me because a lot of times what happens is I don't come into the conversation expecting to talk about myself or learn anything about myself. Mm. But when I work things out out loud with you, then how often do you hear me say like, oh, I just realized this about me. When you or, were- all, I, na- I see this about me. Almost crying earlier mm-hmm. before we were recording. I had the thought, no, if I've ever actually seen you cry. And we talked about that in I think our friendship mm-hmm. episode. Like, and, and this is why we are yin and yang to each other. Of Like, I'll cry at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. And- you're like, nah, it takes takes a little bit more of that than that for me to cry. I wish I, might- I had a little bit more of that sometimes, though, because I worry people think I'm a cyborg. <laughs> and that's not the narrative that I want them to have. You're not allowed to think that I'm an AI. Um, but what, I, what I'm hearing you say is that I am just really, really, really good. At drawing things out of people. Yeah. Because I am just so good at that. 
I know that that is dripping in sarcasm, <laughs> but that is what I'm saying. Oh, no, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cry enough for the both of us. But in order to tie this back to Sarah, yeah. when she says, I recharge in solitude, mm. that is something that I feel. And it makes total sense knowing all that you know now mm-hmm. about me mm-hmm. that I cannot recharge in a group of people where I still feel like I have to be on in some way. Yes. And that goes back to what she was saying about, I have to be alive the whole time, mm-hmm. being alive the whole time that I'm living yes. and having to be on Who designed this? Yes. This is flawed. Di- we need a code patch or something. It's probably why I love sleeping so much. Oh yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I fuck with that too. Yes. Because you don't, how you it's an escape nobody has any expectations of me right nope. now you don't even have and to if be they thinking. do i'm totally they mean nothing to me right that's on you mm-hmm. <laughs> and i get to escape from having to be on yes her talking about the apartment that she has that she's renovating to become a recording studio is very sex in the city mm-hmm. to me where um i think it's in the second movie maybe it's at the end of the first movie. it's in the second movie. it's in the second yep. movie where she realizes she has to have her own space mm-hmm. and it's not about space with a capital s as sarah put it yeah it's not about needing to it's because i don't want to live with you yes. or whatever it's just because sometimes i just need somewhere to go to be by myself and mm-hmm. that is something that i shock <laughs> shockingly the opposite side of the coin is that i was always afraid to be alone mm-hmm. and i one of my therapists asking what would happen if you were alone with your thoughts and me being like, fuck, I don't if know. I, yeah, if I but wanted I ain't to trying find, to find that out, out. Nope. <laughs> then nope. I would have done it. You're fired. <laughs> um, actually, I didn't fire her. That was Holly. And that was one of the best questions that someone could ask me. Mm-hmm. What would happen if you sat alone with your thoughts? And for me, part of that being this whole having to sit with the discomfort of anything mm-hmm. <laughs> and not avoiding or numbing being with me. And I th- think there are people... I had a tendency to do that with relationships. Mm-hmm. And Liz Gilbert talked about that, jumping from relationship to relationship out of codependence. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are some, I think that everyone struggles with that and we just don't necessarily realize it. Yeah. we ju- Because we do it in different ways. For me, it's actual literal personal it's actual literal literal time quality mm-hmm. time some people have no problem being alone and being isolated to the point that then they use people to escape the work say more if i'm over here calling you to entertain me mm-hmm. so that i can avoid the emotional aspect mm-hmm. of being alone. Be my something shiny so yeah. I don't have to deal deal with this. Because the specific thing for me, right? The specific thing for me about being alone that was so scary that I needed distraction from was my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. But if you're really comfortable with your own thoughts, but you're not comfortable with your own feelings, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a very specific set of social circles. Mm-hmm. Or you might seek out specific types of relationships over and over and over again because that gives you the opportunity to escape from feeling your feelings. Mm -hmm. 
And if you feel your feelings, then that's forcing you to then look in the mirror and say and understand them. And Mm -hmm. that is really scary and really hard for so many people. And I get that. I just didn't really think about it. And I don't think that's what you do. But I know that there are people that do that. Mm -hmm. And when we know better, we do better. But I don't think I ever really connected that with – I just assume because people are okay with being alone that they they never use people as a drug. Mm-hmm. But they do. Yeah. They just, it's just within a different context. Mm-hmm. It's just for a different reason. Maybe I'm using people as a stimulant because I have ADHD, but other people use people as a stimulant because they have depression mm-hmm. and they need to feel something. Yeah. Hmm. Well, damn. What were we talking about before that? Um, That's an excellent question. <laughs> Recharging in solitude. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Um, in the Sex in the City apartment. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I have had to learn over the last couple of years is, it, and, and especially since a specific breakup, mm-hmm. having to learn that like I was using a relationship as like validation or escape from um, discomfort or t- I was using a specific type of relationship to heal my attachment wound. And I cannot wait to do that episode. I, I'm so, I actually told Laura today, um, during therapy, I was like, oh, and by the way, I just got a text from Emily that there is now an episode on blah, 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 and this is what we're going to be doing. If I had not already decided that next week I want to do the Sonia Renee Taylor Oh, so we're not doing it next week? I really want to do Sonia Renee Taylor. that's fine. But I assumed maybe prematurely that we would do the attachment one after that. Yes, that (laughs) assumption is correct. You are not making an ass Mm -hmm. out of you and me. Um, also today when I was talking to Laura, um, I was explaining to her this dynamic, um, this situation that had gone on, happened recently and she was giving me her feedback on it, which is something I've specifically asked her to do. Mm -hmm. Generally therapists don't give you their opinion on stuff, but for me, I need that balance of a reminder when I am all worked up Mm -hmm. and I call it manic. It may not be clinically manic, but like when I'm just like super overstimulated, Mm -hmm. I'm super into it that I need somebody sometimes to go back and remind me that there are other perspectives. Um, So she was doing that and she said something about, um, because to me that raised a red flag. And I was like, huh, tell me more about that. (laughs) And she just started talking and then I listened to the words like it took me a minute or two to process what I had said. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I just therapized (laughs) you. And she laughed and she was like, nope, I didn't even notice. And Mm -hmm. like, that's that's fine. This is what I do. And like it was a very funny moment where I don't know how many people try to therapy. I wasn't even trying to. It was just a reflex. It just came naturally. Yeah. Therapy, their therapist. (laughs) Not in a way that I was trying to solve her problems, but just using therapeutic skills. I think it speaks to the strength of the therapeutic relationship. Yes, that's what it's all about. Not me being (laughs) crazy. It's not about that. (laughs) Never about that. It couldn't possibly. Mm -mm, That's not it. No, doesn't exist. No. Uh, That was just, that was really funny. Something. That happened today. Anyway, we're getting back because we have we have hit we we've got some work on some final thoughts. Yeah. Um, when she said about her relationship, they're engaged now. Did you know that she and Joe? They I just got engaged on New Year's Day. I oh, think. that's I know. sweet. We're happy for you, Sarah. And yeah. Joe. 
Invite us to the wedding. We'll come. We will. Promise. <laughs> we'll be there. Um, but I'll be very quiet. Yes. You won't even know we're there. <laughs> um, that early in the relationship, she was like, the lights, it- the lights went out. Get I really liked you. And then it just went away. That was something Gone. I definitely wanted to touch mm-hmm. on too. And so then her instinct was to break up. Scared, separate is what she said. I'm scared, separate. I'm pointing mm-hmm. to a section of my notes where it's I not say unlike, scared, yeah, separate. It's not unlike what I said earlier, where if I lose control of mm. a narrative with you, then... I can have nothing else to do with you for the rest of my life. Wow. I have never put that together. I mean, I don't – listen, I don't actually do I that, know. but I'm no, saying I, I have the instinct to do that. I, I recognize it in myself that the instinct is I can never see this person again. I've never put ghosting together with that specific concept because for me, that was relatable to me because – that is what I would do in relationships mm-hmm. when something would happen or not happen, the absence of a feeling or just too much of a feeling, then I would just be like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to break up with you before you break up with me anyways. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, no, that's totally me. Like that. It's not something that I want my relationship to have as a model. It's not mm-hmm. something that I want to model for my kid, but I mean, that was so relatable to me because that is uh, is very much how I would be Mm -hmm. in a relationship. That as soon as things started to get to feel too much, Mm -hmm. I would just be like, nope, we're done. Yeah. It's been real. Fuck you. Take care. Yeah. Talk to you never. (laughs) Right. I've never equated that with ghosting, though. Mm -hmm. Because there's usually some sort of conflict that I do when I would do that. I wouldn't, because I want it known that this is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I could never just ignore someone, but it's the same thing. Yeah. And it said in a different way. She talked about uh, relationships versus a partnership. Yes. That was so good. So good. That's a, that's a thing for me too. And that's a, one thing that I've realized that I really value this idea of a partnership rather than just a relationship. Mm-hmm. Just a relationship sounds negative and that's not what I mean for it to sound but a partnership if this is if this is a romantic partnership or if this is <clears throat> excuse me if this is like we're building a life together in a way that like we are reliant on each other mm-hmm. <clears throat> it needs to be a partnership and not just not a relationship where one person is driving and the other is along for the ride I wonder if that is why some relationships have so much difficulty finding their ground again Mm. after they welcome a baby. Yeah. Because instantly, Mm -hmm. it almost out of necessity has to go from being maybe it was a relationship before to it's a partnership now. It's a partnership now. Mm -hmm. Because when you try to make it, continue that relationship dynamic when you have a kid, mm-hmm. one person inevitably ends burnt, ends up burnt out, resentful, mm-hmm. and angry. She said that when um, – sh- that going back to what you said about the, when the light – that the lights are out. Sorry. I stopped liking you. The lights went out. We need to break up. 
important in Joe saying, no, if the lights go out, you go downstairs and you look at the fuse box. If we are incompatible because we just don't suit each other, Mm -hmm. okay, then that's fine. But you don't just say, oh, well, the lights shut off. Don't know why, but. I'm um, not falling for your bullshit. Right. That is love. Mm -hmm. That is sitting in the dark with someone Mm -hmm. instead of turning on the light. Yes. And that's, again, when she talks about the dignity of your discomfort. You're doing God's work, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> but that I I listen to a I listen to a playlist every night called the a love I want and that is the love that I want right there. Mm-hmm. That's to me is the epitome of love. Uh can we please talk about chrysalis coma? Yes. Okay. She's oh it what but also when she's talking about the dignity of my own pain that makes me uncomfortable, so you can't process it that way. Mm-hmm. And having to let go of control over the narrative of other people's healing and how difficult that is. And that's something that I've had to work on and I am continuing to work on when my kid throws a fit in a certain way and I'm just like, this doesn't make sense to me, therefore you can't be doing it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the opposite of love. Well, it's the opposite of belonging. That's um, That's – Fitting in. Yeah. And if belonging is more closely aligned with love, then it's not love. Mm-hmm. And But then she talks about letting people be in their chrysalis, which we talk about that all the time, the goo or mm-hmm. in the goo, where we all we fall apart completely, turn into goo before we turn into the butterfly. And I loved that. Um, then they call it, she said, are you stuck in a coma? Are you in a chrysalis yeah. coma where you're just stuck in this cycle of the goo? And Abby said, "Will you? What's it going to take for you to choose to come out? Would you? Ever or would you ever out? choose to come out of yeah. the of the chrysalis?" And Glennon being like, "You don't have to do that. You can stay in the chrysalis." <laughs> and be like, "That's how typical yeah. of that." Abby says, "Because you have to come out sometime." And Glennon says, "Do you?" <laughs> right. And then going <laughs> you? going back to, then they talk about. Abby saying something like, what's it going to take for you to be confident? And then Glennon saying, you don't have to be confident. Mm -hmm. You can be in the chrysalis forever. You can be in the goo. You can be doubting yourself Mm -hmm. because that's what makes you relatable. But I think it's a little bit of both. It is a both and. I think it's a little bit of both. And, And I have a certain level of frustration around people who don't choose to come out of the goo. And maybe that being something I need to sit with. That is impossible. <laughs> because it's not, not about not me. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about me. It's not my life. I don't get to choose the pace at which other people grow. Just because I would choose that path doesn't mean other gift. people do. It doesn't feel like one. But the fact that it is not about you, that that is someone else's math problem to solve, mm. as Sarah says, mm-hmm. is actually a gift. Who wants more math problems? Not Literally me. not me. But you know it's crazy. There are people out there that actually want. But that is part of being a fixer. Mm-hmm. I might not want math problems, but I want to fix other people's problems because yeah. that distracts me from fixing my own problems. Mm-hmm. But not um, when people choose that identity around being broken, not being quite so judgmental about it. Mm-hmm. But also it's very frustrating. Yeah. When you can see the path and you're trying to like show someone 
you're trying to turn the light on for them. Mm-hmm. And they want to sit in the dark forever. And then having to understand your own boundaries and your own core needs and saying, like, I'm not judging you for this, but I also know that I can't live here. Mm-hmm. I can't stay in the dark for forever. And so I'm not going to require you to turn the light on, but I am going to go somewhere else where there is light. That makes me think of when Joe said to her, I can't stick around and be your punching bag yeah. anymore. Yep. It's about boundaries, about actual boundaries. And her being afraid that of, of trying medication because her identity was her sadness. And if we were doing a meme of the week, that would be the meme that I sent to my friend Beth the other day that I saw that made me laugh. Um, it's a brain and it's a, it says normal brain. Oh, a puddle of sadness. Better go around it. My brain. Oh, a puddle of sadness. And they're then they're like swimming in it. Well, that's just like, like splashing when it we were on talking themselves. About the kind of music we want to listen to. Yes. I want to listen to something that will hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other night I spent an hour searching for the most perfect, yeah. emotionally devastating mm-hmm. movie, which I should have just asked you what I should watch because that's your love language. That's your skill. I'm, I'm good with the songs. You're good with the movies. The yeah. But I think you made a good choice. I did end up making it. It wasn't what I thought I wanted. Mm-hmm. But it ended up being the right choice. It was yeah. a marriage story, in case anyone's wondering. It just, it was perfect. I cried at the end for all good reasons. Yeah. Um, but it was still painful. Uh, One of the most beautiful things that she said was, and I'm paraphrasing, but that she was, you just touched on this. She was afraid that being on medication would remove her from herself. Mm-hmm. And instead, <laughs> are we? Okay. <coughs> I think so. We'll okay. <laughs> it was so profound that we are knocking things off the table. The universe said, wait a minute, take a breath before you say this. People need time to process. It brought me back. I'm here again. I am mm-hmm. a person who can have joy and smile. And I remember <coughs> me. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I have two thoughts about that. One being, (coughs) excuse me, that I had a very similar feeling when it was time for me to start ADHD meds. And Mm -hmm. that's a pretty common thing. And I remember that having the specific conversation with the nurse practitioner that I see who I adore and her talking about her wife having ADHD and being a little worried that it was going to take her sparkle Mm -hmm. or they refer to her ADHD as her sparkle. But being afraid that, like, if I start medications, then I'm not going to be myself anymore. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not going to be the silly, goofy, the magic of me. Right. And that preventing a lot of people from pursuing that because nobody wants to be a zombie except for Emily, but <laughs> only if it's inevitable. On my terms. And she realizes it, then she, yes, she will stick her pinky out and become a zombie. <laughs> <clears throat> but, it reminded me of that and and then how it turned out to be the thing that she needed to get back to herself. Mm-hmm. It was a tool. It wasn't the answer. It yeah. was a tool. Um, and then the other thought that I have about that <clears throat> is how when Chelsea Handler talks about the thing that you're pushing back against so much that you're trying to avoid is mm-hmm. the thing that you need the most, that you need to look at the most. So when we're so worried 
that medication is going to be, or this specific tool is just not a good fit for us. It is not for us. It is not going, Mm -hmm. being open to the idea that maybe that's actually what I need to pursue. And when she said, it felt like cheating. Yeah. It felt like I was cheating. Mm -hmm. I mean, just thinking about that for a second, like it is more important for me to struggle than to accept something that could help me. Yeah. Because we are born to struggle and anything else is cheating. Right. And that's so crazy <clears throat> because that it feels like people who don't have to take medication are cheating to me. Mm-hmm. That is some Trisha Hersey. Yes. Vibes. Yes. You were not born to struggle. You were not born to live this life of capitalism and white supremacy and patriarchy and all of these things. Yes. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Work smarter, not harder. Like you are of this system. You are in this system, but not of it. Yes. Or of the system, in the, but not in, in the in world, it. but not of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate people like Sarah who are vulnerable about their journey with medication because it is very sensitive and very difficult and very scary for anyone and everyone who's ever had to be involved <clears throat> in taking it, whether it's mental health medications or physical medications, it's it's scary because yeah. you're, anytime you're altering, feels like you're altering, well, you are, you're altering your mm-hmm. natural self. It feels like this is going to be disembodying rather than the possibility that it actually is healing mm-hmm. and just enabling you to be f- holy. Yeah. And when I say holy now, I mean whole. Um, any final thoughts? I gotta pull up the notes. I don't think so. Just Sarah, let's be best friends. Duh. Mutual admiration society. <laughs> she said it before. Good. Send me my membership card. The thing that I want, I, I think my final thought is that she talks about. When I am too far away from myself, when she gets away from herself, when she's too critical of herself, Mm -hmm. that's when she starts to realize that she's too far away. Yeah. Because she likes herself. Mm -hmm. And I fuck with that. We like you too. We do. (laughs) And I also like to remind myself that I can be, I can love the person that I am today Mm -hmm. and still love the person that I was last week, last year, 10 years ago. I'm never, you're not going to catch me genuinely talking shit about myself in the past Mm -hmm. because I love that person. Yes. And I'm not going to be super critical Mm -hmm. and bash her and talk about like what a shitty person she was. I can, because I can do both things. Yeah. I can acknowledge and take responsibility for the mistakes that I had in the past but also still acknowledge that she deserves love. Mm-hmm. And I do love her. Yeah. And that being part of her coming back to herself, kind of how Jane talked about being more embodied when she returns mm-hmm. to herself, remembering that it's because I love me. And that's that's what I wanted to make sure that we talked about as our final thought. That's a good final thought. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you made it through this extra long episode. Um, I'm Annalise. I'm Emily. And this has been We Can Do Pod Things.